like the greatest now I'm like the greatest now looking like somebody what is going on everybody how are we feeling my people Dylan Meadows third degree podcast hope everyone had a nice safe Labor Day weekend everyone's back to the grindstone we are not really completely done with summer but summer's uh summer's a little bit in the rear view so now we're uh, we're on to fall and when there is fall there is football <laughs> yeah first week has already come and gone NFL games start tomorrow so here's the plan today's podcast is a uh, ball and barrel uh, solo dig so I'm just gonna talk about some week two matchups and uh, that I'm particularly interested in and hopefully you will be as well then tomorrow I'm gonna do a pick'em style podcast where I'm basically just gonna pick the division winners. I'm gonna pick some wild card wild card contestants, um, my conference championships, and then obviously my Super Bowl pick. I try not to do that often, as uh, you know, because I mean I don't really care so much about preseason rankings and you know stuff like that. I understand stuff to get excited about, but until the games are played, it's not really relevant. I think I even established that last year. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of rocking and rolling, baby. <laughs> Football's back. Great time of the year. Um, next after tomorrow's podcast, I'll have a uh, podcast on Sunday night. My good friend Kyle will be joining me. We'll be talking uh, pretty much all the uh, the major storylines that have uh, already happened pretty much throughout the entire day. It's going to be a good time. Well, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Thankfully, with week two happening, there's a lot more bigger games than there were last week, as there should be. Last week was pretty fun. I actually just got a notification a little while ago that the Florida State LSU game actually drew in, as far as ratings, they drew in a little over 10 million people. Football is the greatest reality show on television. It's the greatest television product that we have on right now. Football is king. And we absolutely love it. We're happy that it's back. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into some of these matchups. Now the way that I uh, describe these matchups is actually how they go by as far as the time slot throughout the day. So the ones that I talk about initially, those are the ones that start right at 12 p.m. Central Time, or I'm sorry, not Central Time, uh, Eastern Time, and then obviously 11 o'clock Standard or Central Time. So the very first matchup I want to talk about is uh, Nebraska at Colorado. <laughs> Blaine and I talked about it last week, talked about it on the Reaction Pod. It's going to be very hard not to talk about Colorado on a weekly basis. Primetime, Shadur Sanders, um... I actually uh, learned that his other son, Shiloh Sanders, actually led the team in tackles last week. Uh, this uh, young little scat back in Dylan Edwards, you know, obviously Travis Hunter. It's going to be real. Like, you can just put pretty much every bit of those players that I just named, or even just the majority of them on TV every week, and you're going to draw in a crowd no matter what. Everyone's going to be excited to watch Colorado football. What's crazy about this specific game is – this game opened up as Colorado as a seven-point underdog. And now they are currently a three-and-a-half-point 
favorite. A 10-point swing just off of one game. That's incredible. Um, you'll no- also notice throughout this podcast, you'll see a uh, recurring theme, something that we, myself, and Rob, Justin, whomever listens to this, everyone is excited about the quarterback class this season. Everyone's excited about pretty much the prospects and a little bit of the quarterback battles that we'll have, even starting with this week. And I'll kind of go into a little bit uh, towards the end as far as um, if you don't know the quarterbacks to kind of watch out for and you don't know some of the people to kind of keep watch for, It's I'll definitely give you those names and I assure you it'll be it'll make your college football watching experience much, much more better or much more yeah, I guess that could be way. Miss Day, I hope you're not listening to this. That could... <laughs> All right. So uh, Nebraska and Colorado. Again, Colorado right now sits as a three-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. This is going to be a QB battle, I think. So Nebraska really relied on um, their quarterback um, Sims last week. So not only did he throw the ball 19 times, he also ran it 19 times. Matt Rule's not in over his head but he knows exactly the kind of situation that he finds himself in. He understands that he takes over a program that is notoriously known for losing close games. Hell, it seems as though that cloud is still even with them, even just with last week with Minnesota. Just give Matt Rule some time. It's it's going to take some time. It really is. And I think he knows that, but... <laughs> Again, like I, I feel kind of bad for him because from what I was told by a Nebraska fan, uh, it was pretty much the last two contestants were going to be Nebraska, or I'm sorry, uh, Matt Rule or Primetime. Like it's going to be one of those two characters. And ironically enough, <laughs> they both are going to be featured this weekend. But again, with uh, Shadour Sanders and uh, Jeff Sims pretty much just being the quarterback battle to watch, it's going to be a very entertaining battle. Um, it's my biggest question is who's going to have the better run game. You know, Dylan Edwards showed to be a nice little scat back, but is he a really a between the tackles type guy? Nebraska has uh, Gabe Irvin Jr. who didn't really get as many carries as Jeff Sims last week, but still really needs to play a big factor because if Colorado can score that quick and they have that many playmakers on the outside to really just make a huge difference, the best way to get them to really just take themselves out of the game. It's just have them watch the game, have them chill on the sideline, have them, you know, get a little cold or, you know, lose a little bit of that momentum, you know, kind of, you know, slow the game down a little bit. So that's why I'm looking for Gabe Irvin Jr. to at least have some bit of a factor within this game to actually keep it close and to really just so where it shouldn't be as high scoring as Colorado had last week, but it still should be a nice entertaining, you know, scoring galore style product. But, <clears throat> excuse me, um, but at the end of the day, I'm still going with Colorado. Their playmakers are absolutely outstanding. Shea Dewar Sanders, we'll talk about him a little bit later as far as the quarterback class, but steps right in week one. Again, 510 yards passing, school record. I think uh, the receivers, that incl- and also Dylan Edwards as well, Like I believe they all now have one, two, three, and four as far as uh, most receiving yards within a day for a Colorado record. Like it's, it's, it's a good time to watch the Colorado Buffs right now. It really is. It's a great time for Prime. 
The one thing I will say, and I'll go ahead and I don't want to nip this in the bud, but let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit. So I'm seeing a lot of chatter about don't get used to this. You know, he's he'll look for like as soon as the next big opportunity comes, he'll take it. Some school will offer him X and he'll leave. I don't think he'll leave after this season. Next season, more than likely. Because next season, you know, Travis Hunter can't transfer twice. Or, I mean, I'm sure he can, but I mean, I'm sure there's some type of ramifications for that. But um, I think he'd want to stick around another year with his son. You know, really just share those moments, obviously, with Travis Hunter. Now, once they're draft eligible, I mean, Shadour is draft eligible this year. But once next year kind of wraps up and both of them are going off to the NFL... All right, well, then maybe another college program or who knows if things get weird in Dallas, you know, <laughs> Jerry might come calling. And, but, you know, just right now, just enjoy it. You know, this is like, again, Colorado won one game last year and they've already matched their win total from last year within the very first week. And I said on last podcast, they have a chance to triple that win total within the first month. And it's, that's an incredible turnaround. Again, I'm rolling with Colorado. It's Colorado's going to be very fun to watch, as we all know. Prime's just going to just continue to show that he's an actual good coach. And, again, give Matt Rule some time. He's got a lot working against him. He'll, he'll get it together eventually. You know, give him another recruiting class and another transfer portal class, specifically maybe even a big-time quarterback. And, you know, Matt, Matt Rule's got something. Speaking of transfer quarterback and uh, having something, my next matchup is the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, going to Raleigh, North or Raleigh, North Carolina. And <laughs> ironically enough, Notre Dame is, uh, as of now, sitting as a 7.5-point favorite. So they're a road favorite. And again, we have ourselves another QB battle with Sam... Sam Hartman, who everyone knows had completely transferred from uh, uh, from Wake Forest, which not gonna lie, when he transferred to Notre Dame, I thought that was gonna be, I thought that was gonna just really just blow the lid off pretty much every bit of their narrative as far as like they don't really have like good quarterback play, and now he's only played against. Tennessee State and Navy, but so far, Sam Hartman looks excellent. And the other guy is uh, Brennan Armstrong, another transfer quarterback. Uh, he transferred from Virginia, I believe. And so, yeah, we have a two, we have a, a, another little quarterback battle. Now, what makes this a little bit uh, almost identical to the Colorado-Nebraska-style game is – Notre Dame's Sam Hartman is the big-time prolific passer. And Brennan Armstrong, much like Jeff Sims, is the dual threat. I believe he had almost just as many carries as he did throws last week <laughs> um, in, the first in the first contest. But Sam Hartman and their pass catchers, it's a deadly duo right now. Right now they currently have nine pass catchers, and this is including tight ends and um running backs, they currently have nine players with 10 yards per catch or more. So pretty much every 
completion that Sam Hartman has, it's going to be a first down and definitely more. Now, what makes this game interesting to me is that even though they're completely blowing out these teams, North Carolina State is still only, you know, they're still a touchdown essential uh, dog. And they're at home, too. But not a lot of people know that um, Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator for North Carolina State, he's been around a while, and he's really gotten that program to really, really shine, specifically on defense. And Dave Dorian, the North Carolina head, North Carolina State head coach, knows that. North Carolina State has a veteran defense. And, again, I, I think things can get just a little interesting here. I'm going to go ahead and call for the upset. I'm going to go North Carolina State. I think with that veteran-style defense, I think they're going to confuse Sam Hartman for a little bit. This is his first time actually facing some real competition. No offense to Navy or Tennessee State, but you know it is what it is. I think this is a good chance to really see where Notre Dame kind of stacks up. Right now, we're learning in college football that if, hey, if you're going to lose, lose quick. Like, lose in the month of September. Lose once, but lose quick. And then go off on a roll get some momentum going, and who knows, maybe towards the end, another team that wasn't supposed to lose does, and you're sitting in the driver's seat to the college football playoff or possibly something else. Who knows? I'm going to go ahead and say North Carolina State pulls this upset. I think that uh, Marcus Freeman doesn't get as much heat as he did last year when he was losing those, uh, ter- those terrible games. Was it like Marshall and Appalachian State or something like that? Uh, whomever, but... um. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, North Carolina State actually pulls off this upset. Speaking of upset, the next matchup, Texas A&M against Miami. Texas A&M currently sits as a a four-and-a-half point favorite. Okay, so now we have, kind of like Notre Dame, we have two road favorites going to the home team. And in Miami, that's gonna be hot. It's gonna be it's gonna be hot down there. And I think the big factor for Miami for this one is a revenge factor. Now I know I said last week that LSU had a revenge factor, and look how that planned out. But I think with Miami, it's a little bit different because last season, all we heard with Miami was you know the great off season that they're having, all the recruits that they're bringing in, you know the 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 shift to analytics and all this other stuff. But this past offseason, very quiet. You don't hear a lot about Miami. Yeah, they're still reeling in the recruits. They're still doing what they need to do to show that they're still a trending upward style program. But still very quiet, very under the radar. And um, not only that, the ACC is competing right now. So Miami definitely needs to stand out. Obviously, we saw... North Carolina and Florida State take care of business last week. So my this is Miami's chance to really show up an SEC team. And the fact that Texas A&M is only not even a touchdown favorite, that's pretty interesting to me. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Miami with this one. And I also, um, now don't get me wrong, I think Connor Wigman, the quarterback for Texas A&M, he is an emerging star. With this game, if they are gonna if I if they're gonna have a chance to win, Amari Daniels and Le'Veon Moss, the running backs, they need to make a big impact as far as the running game to help out Connor Wakeman. 
person to really watch for this game, I believe. His name is Lance Guidry, or Guidry, if I mispronounce that name. I apologize to the family. He was the Marshall Thundering Herds defensive coordinator for the last couple years, but now he's Miami's uh, defensive coordinator. So you have a defensive coordinator who pretty much um, turned nothing into something with the uh, Thundering Herds defense. I think uh, for the last two years they've ranked – Pretty significantly high. I want to say at least top 15 in defense. And now you're actually just being given better playmakers, like better athletes to coach. And again, he, Connor Wingman's an emerging star. He played very well down the stretch for Texas A&M. There's a whole different style animal with a whole different year. I mean, I know he's got some – plus I'm, uh, I'm low-key interested to see how Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino would be in a big-time atmosphere like something like this. Again, they're a road favorite going up against a team that is pretty pissed off that they lost the way they lost last year to you. And, you you know, if you're Connell Wingman, you got both guys in your ear. I'm going to go with Miami on this one. I'm, I felt good about the Hurricanes last season. I think I may have uh, jumped the gun one season too early, but I'm feeling good about Miami this year, especially with the uh, changes that they had. Um, they had, um, I think there was a quarterback's name was like, or this incoming player that they have is like a huge impact player. More um, like a, I believe it's a quarterback, Rashada, I believe that's his name, or I may have messed that name up. I'm sorry. But yeah, they have um, they have some playmakers that are coming in, and not only that, they're going to have the revenge factor along with the defensive coordinator. I think is going to be the big uh, key contributor to helping them get that win. Next matchup is um, Ole Miss at Tulane. Ole Miss is currently a seven and a half point favorite. First thing I'll say about this one is bet the over. <laughs> this uh, matchup is in Tulane, so technically it's in New Orleans. Roll wave. <laughs> um, it's going to be hot as well. Right, it's it's going to be about 90, 95 degrees. Uh, we have ourselves another quarterback battle in Jackson Dart and Michael Pratt. Not only do they have the quarterback battles to bring it, to bring it in the type of excitement, they also have uh, veteran wide receiver groups with two exciting true freshmen. So every bit of that just screams to me that this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, the combination that I'm looking forward to seeing this weekend would be um, Quinshawn Judkins, the running back for Ole Miss, who looks to be one of the best, in some people's mind, the best running back in college football, and Lane Kiffin. How are they going to scheme up a run game to slow down Michael Pratt and those veteran wide receivers? Best thing I can do is literally just have him just go through completely just in between the tackles. If you get them within those zone reads, you can really just kind of give that one step and just break off. I feel like this is more, you know, kind of slow this one down for a little bit. Yes, you definitely want the big plays. That's Lane Kiffin's, uh, that's that's his bread and butter, baby. You know, putting the hands up, giving the touchdown. That's that's the Lane train right there, and we love him for it. We absolutely love him for it. Um but he may want to kind of develop a little bit of a run game and really just lean on Quinshawn for a bit for this game. Specifically, if his defense can give, get some rest and really get after that uh, Tulane offense. 
But instead of the uh, Ole Miss defense, I'm actually kind of just seeing what more of the Tulane defensive line does. They have a veteran defensive line. They got a lot of pressure last week. So I'm looking to see if they can continue to get that as well. And the time travelers are kind of just worried that this won't be as high scoring as we think as well, specifically with this seven and a half point um, favoritism for Ole Miss. I didn't see the number for the over and under, but I'm, my guess would be it would be somewhere within the 60s. My guess. But who knows? Maybe Lane Train just slows us down, actually gets those wheels churning and really just make Tulane. Yeah, make show Michael Pratt and just show if he can really beat you coming from behind. Because I'm rolling with Ole Miss on this one. Um, I'm not. Not saying that they're just going to just completely blow them out. I mean, I believe Tulane is, you know, a pretty good team. They showed that last year, and, you know, they're off to a good start this year as well. But still rolling with um, Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Jackson, Lane Kiffin. I think those three enough should definitely be the 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 three people to watch over the weekend, with specifically with that game. Tulane's D-line will be the group to watch, but those three individuals, oh, yeah. So, uh, my next matchup that I'm going to discuss, I was kind of back and forth. Obviously, I was going to talk about, um, you know, Texas and Alabama. I'm not talking about them just yet, but pretty much one of the big coin tosses that I want to do was between the Ole Miss and Tulane and this next matchup that I'm going to talk about, which is Oregon going to Texas Tech. I I was kind of just thinking, like, eh, should I just leave out Oregon and Texas Tech? That's just kind of like whatever. But... And then today, when I checked a little bit of just um, how I usually check with the the stats or the the storylines with how I do and picking talking points, Oregon opened up with this game as a seven and a half point favorite, which I thought was already like pretty interesting. Like, all right, like that falls within the brackets of what I want to talk about. That's not a blowout. That's a well contested game, but eh, it's just kind of like whatever. Um, but then this morning. When I when I checked everything, uh, <laughs> they're actually now a six and a half point favorite. So they've gone down a point. Time travelers, what are you saying? What are you What are you getting at? There's something you want to let the rest of the class know. Stand up, stand up in front of all of us and share what you're thinking. So went ahead and just that you know what, screw it. I'll just throw it on the I'll just throw it on the game log. So Oregon travels to Texas Tech. Again, they're six and a half point favorite. I see this as another high scoring affair. I don't think Puddles is going to be doing over five hundred push ups this time. That seems a little insane. But still, he'll definitely get his workout in. The I think with the time travelers, and I think one thing that I uh, kind of noticed as well when I was studying up on these teams, Oregon basically has a brand new secondary. Like it I think only one of their players, I believe it's the safety, I believe that's the only like returning like actual like starter starter. But the rest of the secondary is brand new. And that gave me a little bit of LSU vibes because that's a little bit about what they did. And they're going up against a team that obviously loves throwing the ball. They have I mean any person who has an air raid style offense they're they're definitely hucking it and chucking it and seems as though texas tech even though they uh they lost their they lost their opener to what 
to Wyoming last week, but it was in this, it was in two overtimes. And I believe that Joey McGuire and crew, I think they were kind of looking ahead towards Oregon thinking like, Hey, like we could, we could probably pull an upset here. And time travelers are thinking that way as well. Uh, one person I'm definitely going to keep watch on is the Oregon running back. His name is Bucky Irving. He had a huge game last week. I think he had like four carries, and two of those carries went for touchdowns. Now, again, they're not playing Portland State, but still, like, just that's that's still pretty impressive. That's I'm going to see if they can actually use him a good bit to actually do a little bit of what Quinshawn Jun- uh, Junkins and Lane Kiffin can do, you know, just churn and burn, take out the clock. And you know, make that make that defense rest, make the offense watch from the sidelines. I'm gonna roll with Oregon. Uh, I, I know that a lot of this sort of, in a way, favors Texas Tech, which is weird. Again, you start off as a touchdown favorite. Now you're less than a touchdown favorite. A little weird. And again, new secondary. Yes, major concerns, but. I'm going to still go with Oregon. I think Dan Lanning has figured out that he needs SEC-style players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, if he wants to really compete in the conference. USC doesn't really have the defenders that they uh, thought they have. Who knows? That might get better. But, um, again, this is all Portland State. Oregon at least showed that they can at least have a defensive mindset last week. And the same thing with the Washington Huskies. They, They showed they were pretty good on defense against Boise State. But, yeah, I'm going to still go with Oregon. Last but not least, our headliner, Texas at Bama. It's what people have been waiting on. It's what people have been aching for pretty much since the last last year's contest. Now, one thing you'll notice about both rosters, and kind of goes without saying, but we're just going to say it anyway, completely stacked rosters. Both sides. And whether that be recruiting, paying for, NIL, transfer, doesn't matter. When you put Texas and Alabama's roster like really up, it's like, man. Yeah, they got some playmakers. They got some dudes. But um, now, even though you've noticed that we've had pretty much a little bit of a star quarterback style portrayal for this podcast... This specific matchup, I'm not too excited about. Not saying that Jalen Monroe can't excite, but it seems like Alabama's trying to be the Alabama of old, where they're just going to run the ball, quarterback's going to make just enough plays, but they're going to play such stout and just such stingy defense that they're going to just hang their hat on that. And again, the quarterback in the... Uh, offense make just enough plays. Uh, yeah, Alabama can get away with that. Teams like yeah, like Alabama, Michigan, like the real like defensive like star teams, like they can handle and do stuff like that and win. And everyone's always saying that an underrated Nick Saban is always a uh, scary Nick Saban. I'm rolling with Alabama with this. They're currently a seven point favorite, but. It's not because of the quarterback, and it's not because of just the roster. It's because of my disbelief in not only uh, Steve Sarkeesian, but I'm out on Quinn Ewers. 
I know that he's projected to be, I think like I saw at one point, a top 10 quarterback. I don't see that, but geez, like kind of out on him. Now, to be fair, his last year's game before he got hurt in the Alabama game, he was he was throwing some darts, and he he was doing really well. But since the time he's come back, and even, you know, I think even Texas, I think they were a little bit in the same boat as um, as Texas Tech last week. Like, we're obviously looking ahead. Now, the difference is Texas beat Rice, but they didn't really look good doing it. I think that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff wanted no part in showing any Bama assistant coach or graduate assistant or analyst or whomever anything to go off of. Everything was going to be just kept hidden in a confidential folder hidden inside of a safe and didn't look good against Rice. But again, I think they were just kind of just looking ahead. But as far as Quinn Ewers, I'm out on. I don't really see it. I don't really think it'll be much different. Now, that doesn't mean that Arch Manning is going to be jumping in anytime soon. I actually think that Arch Manning will possibly sit this entire year, even though some might not like it, and especially if they start losing big, or if they're in the process of losing big games, and there's a chance that Arch could, you know, you can go to the bullpen and just get Arch, and he can just essentially lead you to a comeback victory. Yeah, that could happen, maybe. I don't think, I don't think they really want to open that can of worms though, because you know once the once the toothpaste is out of the tube, that's it. I don't think, I don't even think the Mannings want Arch to play either. I think they would even like prefer him set because even if they, like, let's say Arch gets in and he actually plays well, and then he starts playing better than Quinn Ewers. Well, then now Arch has to start. Like, I don't think the Mannings really want that because it'll be just seen as they're like, oh, well, they meddled their way into doing so. They they don't want to they don't want to have any of that dirt on their hands. So they would probably prefer that he would just set the entire season, let Quinn Ewers play, either boost or drop his draft stock. And then next year when Texas goes to the SEC, it's like, all right, well, now Arch is being unveiled. But. <laughs> talk about all a player that may not even play altogether. I'll tell you with someone who will play, and that's Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver for Texas. That dude is a stud. That, that I enjoy watching Xavier Worthy play, and I think he'll be a he'll be a he'll be pretty much Texas's like big time actual go to playmaker. Like he's gonna have to have a big game in order for them to not only stand a chance, but obviously just to really take the top off and possibly even come away with the win. Because, again, Texas is going on the road to Alabama. And it was easy with Quinn Ewers was playing last year because he was he was safe. He was in his home crowd. You know, all those people aren't, you know, completely rattling him. They didn't rattle, uh, rattle Bryce Young either. But still, like, it's now you're going to have an entire stadium, you know, completely out to make sure that you do not do well on offense. I'm looking forward to it. I am, I cannot wait. It's going to be a very, it's a much better week this week than it was last week. Now, before I get out of here, I'll tell you one more thing I'm also excited about. And now, you know, I don't take week zero into account. So it's just week one. I know it may be a little bit of an overreaction, but the quarterback play that I'm seeing 
in the way that you hear me talk about, the way you see the battles are kind of aligning themselves. If your professional team needs a quarterback, I'm not saying tanking is the answer, but at least consider soft tanking. Like selling off some of those high price players, you know, some of those stars that you can definitely get a good uh, ROI back on. Because just listen to these names of quarterbacks. We all know about Caleb Williams and Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Shador Sanders, Jordan Travis from Florida State, Joe Milton, Tennessee, JJ McCarthy, Michigan, Jalen Monroe. We just talked about for Alabama, Quinn Ewers, Texas, Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, Drew Aller, the quarterback for Penn State. God, hashtag we are, hashtag we are amazed with Drew Aller. Uh, Spencer Rattler, again, I know he didn't have, he didn't have that great of a game, the fact that they lost, but from a passing perspective and Apparently from a few other like NFL scouting communities, like he actually impressed in the loss. So add his name on there. We just talked about how Connor Wingman's an emerging star. I just, and uh, KJ Jefferson, where it looks like uh, <laughs> he's healthy and it looks like if you still try to tackle him, it's like just trying to tackle a truck. Uh, Riley Leonard from Duke, you know, just the way that he was able to just take over that game as well, especially with his, Low key speed. Guy looked like Daniel. Guy looked like Daniel Jones 2.0. You know, <laughs> you know. Is this the most amount of good college quarterback we have ever seen playing at such a high level? To to my knowledge, yeah. Like this isn't like that that amount uh, just all together on full display, and I'm. I didn't even mention Jane Daniels. Just got to show a little bit more, but he can be a NFL style prospect. Um, and again, like even just some of the other, um, the ones that are draft eligible next year. Like it's, if your team needs a quarterback, and I'm pretty sure front offices, scouting departments, they're watching the same games we are. They're seeing the same things we are. And who knows? After they hear this podcast, they'll probably have the same conversations of. All right, well, if our guy is, even if our guy is the mid-tier level or even just like near the top 10, maybe not right in the top 10, but like probably like 11 through 15, it's like, can we improve? Like, can we get a guy in to at least help? You know, with and you, and you kind of see it around the NFL as well. Like all these quarterbacks that are just kind of sitting around, even some of the backups, you're like, how did this person even last long? Or what's this person even doing? I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, there's about to be a lot of fat that's going to be trimmed specifically at the quarterback position with this upcoming class and next year's. I'm excited. Enjoy the games this week. Thank you again for listening in, dropping by, making me a part of your day. Please be safe. Continue to share the podcast. Share the love. Tell your friends. Tell your family. I appreciate every single one of you. Please be safe this weekend. Drink responsibly. And, of course, go Tigers.